Welcome back to the First Draft Podcast, and the draft is so, so close. A little over two weeks away. I'm Field Gates, joined as always by equally great Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. Todd, what's going on, my friend? I'm fired up, man. We're finally getting there. My book's done. 390 players done. Every book has been shipped out. I've got the NFL teams, all the needs ready. I mean, I, we could do, I would love to have the draft tonight. Let's put it that way. And Mel, how about you? Because I feel the same way that Todd just said. Yeah, my book with 450 players has been done for the last month and a half. So I've been ready for a while. <laughs> <laughs> fired up today. I got a mock first and second round. And Todd's been uh, ripping all day on uh, various uh, platforms of ESPN. So I'm sure uh, our listeners would love to hear his critique of my mock uh, 4.0. I thought it was round. perfect. I thought you pitched a perfect game, Kuiper. Did you see some of my surprise second rounders, Todd? Did you catch some of those? Yeah, I got them. I, I, I got the list in front of me somewhere. I think, yeah, here we go. And right. Matt, when was the last time that you spent more than 30 seconds on Twitter? About six or seven years ago, when I started on Twitter, I did Twitter chats for hours. Okay. Where so, I just take questions and answer them. And people were getting so disgusted with me, I guess, clicking in on their, on their Twitter or whatever that they weren't happy with that. So I got off of it completely and the end of my Twitter chats, which were not a big, big success. Let me, let me ask you a follow-up, Kuiper. Sure. Does Kim send out all of your tweets? Yes. Yeah, I've never so. sent out a tweet, except in I the beginning so. when I was doing the Twitter and I was in tune with what was going on. I got, it's not like riding a bike for me. Okay. I just can't get back on there and start doing it. So once I got away from it, I haven't gone back. The reason why this is important is that Mel's trending today, Todd. Mel is trending on really? Twitter. Yeah. And do are you, I are say you, the trend? I have to say something controversial. What did I say? No, no, I just think your mock draft is a generation of discussion and topics, okay. as is always the case when either of you releases a mock draft. I'm and proud feel, of you, Kuiper. Yeah, it's a big accomplishment. I must have been the you, second round that did it. I was going to say, you got 64 picks, which means you have 64 opportunities. Right. Let's call it 63, because you really can't criticize Trevor going one to the Jaguars. But 63 chances for Mel's picks to be ridiculed. And we're going to get to Mel's mock draft in just a little bit. But we want to start because Todd somehow squeezed in time, not just to finish his book. And the scouting reports, if you haven't seen them on ESPNBlus.com, are phenomenal. They are in-depth. They are personal. They are athletic skills. They are football skills. There's a grade involved. They're really tremendous and comprehensive. If you want to read about basically every player that has a chance to get drafted, you also wrote your L Satellite Team, Todd, which is an annual piece that you write. The simple version of it is the players that you think are the best in space for this year's class. And don't want to go through the entirety of it. We do have ESPN Plus for a reason. But I wanted to start with a wide receiver who is really intriguing, found his way into Mel's mock draft. It's Tutu Atwell from Louisville, who what he lacks in size, Todd, he makes up for in basically every other speed-based category. Yeah, I feel I, I've been doing this for 12 years now, which is shocking to me. I'll never forget the first year doing it from the ESPN newsroom. And, and it was uh, CJ Spiller was the winner that year. And we did this whole thing and he was so confused. He had no idea. I was, I was crowning him the first ever all satellite team winner. And since then, we've had Odell Beckham Jr. We've had um, Brandon Cooks. We've had Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. Henry Ruggs III was, was the, uh, the winner last year. This year, it's Jalen Waddell. I don't want to take away from ESPN+, Plus, but Jalen Waddell is kind of no no-brainer. But one of the players, you mentioned Tutu Atwell from Louisville. He's only five foot nine. 
but he ran a four three two in his in his forty. And the thing I love about him is that he's he's not just quick; he's fast. So, it, like when you have an elite combination of speed and and the quickness to get off the line of scrimmage, to beat press, to create after the catch, uh, to utilize in the screen game and, and the reverse game, but then also to get vertical. And then there's not many guys that are five foot nine that are able to get vertical and make plays down the field like Tutu Atwell is. And listen, he may not be a first round pick, but I, I'm very confident he's going to be a top 50 pick in this year's draft. And I think a team's going to get one. We have so many good slot receivers. Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, Rondale Moore from Purdue, Tutu Atwell is we're talking about now. One of these teams that's looking for a receiver that they don't get in the first round are going to be able to get a really good player in Atwell in round two. Mel, the big question mark on Tutu Atwell is his size. I think he weighed in at 155 at his pro day. And historically, the number of players that have made a major impact at the NFL level at 155 pounds is a short list. Is there something about Atwell that you see that makes him different? And how confident are you in him as a player who, as I mentioned, did make it into that two-round mock draft? Yeah, he plays smart. And I think that's one thing you have to do when you're 100. If you're Hollywood Brown, you, you, you got to live to fight another day. And that was one thing I said about Canarius Tony today from Florida. Love his aggressiveness. But there are times where he's taken on when he should just go out of bounds or get down. Another extra yard or two is not going to make a difference on a lot of these plays, but subjects your body to a lot of hits and a lot of punishment. So I think with Tutu, I notice that he's protecting himself. He's getting away. He understands, you know, at 155, 160 pounds, you can't be taking these big-time hits and surviving. So for me, he's in there. And I'll tell you what, I call them my lost-in-space guys because they do get lost in space. And I'll tell you, Amari Rogers, Todd, and Field, fun to watch. I mean, he breaks tackles. He gets low. The defenders have a tough time uh, getting him down. Uh, Amari Rogers from Clemson is a really good son of T. Martin, former Tennessee quarterback, assistant coach in the NFL now in Baltimore. But I think Amari Rogers can't get uh, you know pushed down too far. Have him going to New England with pick 46 in round two. Have Tutu Atwell going in the second round to Arizona. I had 14 receivers, guys, going in the first two rounds. Could have had 17 very easily. Uh, and I have right now 21 in the first three rounds. So this is a draft loaded with slot and outside receiver. And, and just going back to Atwell, think about this for a second. He averaged nine yards after the catch. So every time you're throwing the ball to him and he catches the ball, he's getting, getting you nine yards from that spot, wherever it is on the field, which is amazing. I mean, there are a lot of guys who are four, five, six yards after the catch, nine yards after the catch every time he has a reception. Atwell, obviously one of the better players in the Louisville program in quite some time. Actually went to the same high school as Teddy Bridgewater. So they followed the same pipeline, same yep. high school. To Florida yep. yep. A couple of guys from the Miami area who both have it. Well, Teddy obviously already well established in the NFL and Tutu about to become the same in just a couple of weeks here. Uh, Todd, you and I were at the Senior Bowl together and the early player of the week, if such an award actually existed, <laughs> was D. Eskridge, the wide receiver from Western Michigan, who was all over the field. But what more is there to know about his game that people may not know, given that comes from a small school and does not have a long track record playing wide receiver? Yeah, Dwayne Eskridge, I mean, just watching his tape, he was so much different than all the athletes that he was going up against. And, you know, he had 13 catches for at least 20 yards this past season. He averaged 23 yards per catch, which was fourth in the BCS. So, Again, Mel's got 14 guys in the first two rounds, which, again, would be a record. And Eskridge is a guy, maybe he goes late second, somewhere in the third. 
But there are so many receivers to get in this class, and Eskridge is, is one of them who who's kind of bounced around, but he really came into his own the last couple of years at Western Michigan, and he's so explosive. And he showed it again, as you mentioned, at the Senior Bowl with the ability going up against top corners to separate with his quickness, his speed, get down the field, but also to separate in and out of breaks and, and really reliable catching the football as well. Mel, he also makes it into your two-round mock draft. Is this one of those years where, just like last year, when you had wide receivers that slid to the second round, you'd say, hey, in a normal year, that guy might be a top 30 or 35 pick. Where would D. Eskridge land in a quote-unquote normal year relative to where he wound up in your two-round mock? Yeah, with the so many slot receivers, maybe mid-second instead of at 59 to Cleveland. You didn't know at one point in his career whether he was going to be a defensive back or corner or a slot receiver, but certainly uh, with his kind of explosiveness, he's what Cleveland wants. Rondale Moore have right behind him out of Purdue uh, going to New Orleans. So it is a draft where I love Kay Johnson out of South Dakota State's a nice, he'll be a nice third, fourth round pick for somebody. Josh Palmer, Tennessee. There are so many of those guys. And Anthony Schwartz, I have him in the second round where Todd ended up with Anthony Schwartz from Auburn, but you know, quarterbacking, throwing a football was an issue. As a freshman, he was averaging over 16 yards a catch, right around 16 yards a catch. Jet sweeps, reverses. He was very effective, ran in the four twos, four three range. So a kid who can fly like that, Anthony Schwartz from Auburn, is going to hear his name called, I think, within the first two rounds. Yeah, great draft to round out your offensive skill player group. I keep thinking about teams like, as, and we'll talk about Mel's mock in just a moment, but the Packers, the Chiefs, the back end of the first round, who might be able to use a little bit of wide receiver depth, even though they have obviously terrific offenses as is. Go read the entire all-satellite team piece on ESPNplus.com. Um, and I know Todd mentioned, like, I could read anything and listen to anything about Jalen Waddle. We'll talk about him in just a moment, but just a ridiculously special, special player. Uh, so Ta- uh, Mel's mock draft, as we keep saying, is now out again. It's a two-round mock draft. It's 4.0. Uh, and Mel, uh, you, br- you you started new this year. You allowed trades into your mock draft, and you get one involved early. And probably the trade that most people are asking about, maybe this is why you're trending on Twitter, Mel, is that <laughs> the Dolphins are trading up from pick six to pick four That would be, of course, the Atlanta Falcons moving back to six in this case. Walk us through the why and the result for Miami. Yeah, Todd calls me a stuntman with the Mm -hmm. (laughs) joke. And that's accurate because I do pull some stunts. But there's always one thing. I'm on to you, Kuiper. Where there's a stunt, there's method to the madness. There's usually method to the madness. And in this case, I needed to figure out a way for Trey Lance to come off the board. And Atlanta moving down and Pitts, I didn't want to drop past four or five. So I didn't want Pitts to drop because I think he's going to come off the board very quickly. And it worked out perfectly where Miami gets Kyle Pitts for Tua, what a great target he will be. And Atlanta moves down, gets some picks, and ends up with Trey Lance, the heir apparent to Matt Ryan. So trades are supposed to be beneficial to both teams. I found a way to make it that way with this whole scenario there with with the Atlanta Falcons and the Miami Dolphins. It actually makes sense. I mean, if you're Atlanta and you're looking at the big picture and you, you decide, hey, listen, we, we'd love to bring in Kyle Pitts at tight end and, and put him with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley at wide receiver, and let, let's make a run for the next two years with Matt Ryan as our quarterback, you know, that's part of the decision you have to make. But if you decide, hey, we're not going to be picking this high again, we've got five first-round quarterbacks, we know – pretty much for a fact that Trevor Lawrence is going to go one from Clemson going to Jacksonville. And two, the Jets are very likely to take uh, Zach Wilson from BYU. 
And all the information tells you uh, that Mac Jones from Alabama is going to be the third pick to San Francisco and San Francisco part of that three-way trade, if you will, moving up from 12 to three. So now you're sitting at four and you say, all right, do we, do we take a weapon or are we going quarterback? And if you decide to go quarterback, then why not make this move if you're the Falcons? Move back two spots because you know the team moving up in Miami in this, in this scenario is not moving up for a quarterback. They got to a tongue of Iowa. You know that Joe Burrow was the number one overall pick. They're, Cincinnati's picking at number five. So you're able then to get the same player that you were going to get at, at six, very likely, in, in the quarterback position in Trey Lance. So I like that from Atlanta's standpoint. I think it's interesting for Miami. I love Kyle Pitts, and I would make the move up and, and go get him two spots. What, a, what would it cost him? And B, having already moved – you know, from down from, what was it, 3 to 12, then to 6? Are you going to make another move and give away some of that draft collateral uh, that they've, they've earned throughout the moves that Chris Greer, the general manager, has made? Are they going to give up some more to go get Pitts? Or do you sit home at 6 and say, you know what, worst case, Kyle Pitts comes off the board at 4 or 5. Another receiver comes off the board, Jamar Chase, let's say. We can still get Devontae Smith from Alabama or his teammate Jalen Waddle at six. So that's the part that's, that's interesting to me, Kite. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it, it just depends upon how Miami views Kyle Pitts. They think he's an extraordinary, once-in-a-decade player. It's so yep. different from everybody else. It makes him so much better than everybody else in terms of what he can mean to their offense. If I were doing I love Devontae Smith. And I know you love Jamar Chase. We love them both. And Jalen Waddle. I don't think you can go wrong. I personally wouldn't move up. I would stay where I am. It just depends upon how they feel about I think this deal, I was doing this more for Atlanta and then Kyle Pitts right. coming off the board. But, hey, Miami can't go wrong here. So if they don't feel like – they feel it's too expensive to go from six to four and we're guaranteed one of those great receivers – I think they should stay. So I would argue more for my, against Miami doing it. I would think it would be a great move if Atlanta can go down and still get Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Yeah, and any other move that Atlanta would make, if you're trading back further, then you get out of the range to, to That's potentially why get that quarterback. Right? Else, because yeah. Denver at nine, if they're moving up, you're not going to make that deal because they're coming to take the quarterback. So if you really want Trey Lance or Justin Fields, you're not going to – allow a team to move into that spot to take the quarterback. So it really ultimately comes down to what this, this new organization in terms of the general manager and head coach, what they want to do. Is it micro or is it macro? If it's micro, then you sit at four and you, you take the tight Ted and Kyle Pitts or, or even move back a couple spots if you can and, and still take a weapon. But if it's macro, if you're talking long-term, then, then I think you have to go to the quarterback spot. You're definitely not going to make a move with the team that's quarterback hungry trying to move up. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. 
superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Yeah, one thing, I'll, last thing I'll say just to defend Mel is I, I know the Miami trade up got a lot of people fired up this morning, Mel, is that in aggregate, when you factor in the trade from three to 12, and then 12 to six, and then six to four, if Miami still comes out ahead, an extra first round pick in 2023 is the net, hard to fault a team to end up moving back one slot while getting the player they probably could use most in Kyle Pitts. That's why I get back the method to the madness. There's a reason why you go through that (laughs) exercise and you end up benefiting yet still getting the same guy. But if you feel like that there's not much difference that we can live with any of those receivers, or you have a receiver that you know you're going to get that you love as much as having a great player like Pitts, then you don't even worry about making the move. So we don't know what these teams are going to do. We're just speculating. But I thought it made sense. And then, of course, the New England trade up with Dallas. I just can't see New England. And I know Denver's in that mix. They're fascinating because I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. Stick with Drew Locke, bring a young kid in to compete. They had gone after Stafford. They had gone after Darnold. They didn't get him. Uh, and now all of a sudden, had they, had they drafted Josh Allen, if they had drafted Paxton Lynch, that's probably why they didn't. They had Lynch bust, didn't want Josh Allen because a lot of people were skeptical. And then they end up with Case Keenum instead, who they thought was a safe way to go. That didn't work. So I said today, Todd and, and Field, it's, they haven't been in sync with the way the quarterbacks have gone. Once Paxton Lynch didn't hit, it kind of threw him out of whack. Then they got away from Allen to go with a veteran. They should have taken Allen. Then they could have gone back, but they didn't. So now here we are again with Drew Locke. Are you going to take the young guy or it would be, you missed out on the veterans? What are you going to do here? So I think they just haven't been able to figure ironically, John Elway, the great, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and my highest rated player ever, wasn't really able, outside of winning a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning at the end of his career, wasn't really able to figure out the quarterback position with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and we, we taped a Sports Center special earlier, the, the Mach 4.0 for, for Mel Kuyper. And I, had, I talked to our producer, Greg Shapiro, yesterday. And I said, put together a graphic. I, I want to know who have been the starting quarterbacks that Elway has brought in that has, have started after Peyton Manning. You ready for this? And the, this is an order of starts. Broncos Trevor fans can Simeon. mute the podcast right now. What's that? Broncos fans can mute the podcast for 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Right? Trevor Simeon, Drew Locke, who they're, you know, listen, I still think Drew Locke has a chance to be successful in the league, but it's been up and down and, and they have to put more around him if that's the guy that they're going to move forward with. But Trevor Simeon, Drew Locke, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Brandon Allen, and then Brett, Brett uh, Rippon from, from uh, Boise that's State. Right, so, yeah. So it has I mean, been. It has been the it has been their white whale, right? In Denver, they have just simply not been able to figure out a long term solution at quarterback. So, Mel, along those lines, then uh, the trade that you reference is the Patriots moving up from fifteen to ten. They would land Justin Fields, which means he goes past Denver at nine. I mean, how close were you to putting Fields in that ninth slot? 
really close field. And I just, it, it, you know, you try to make sense out of what teams are doing. You say, if your intention was to make Drew Locke a better quarterback by creating immediate competition and saying, okay, if he can't elevate his game, then we're going to get somebody better. And that would be Stafford or that would have been Darnold. But when they weren't able to do that, do you go to a Fields or a Lance in a trade-up scenario? Okay, you probably have to move up from nine, if they, even if they fell in your lap. Are you okay with having a guy who's a developmental quarterback to an extent, needs a little bit of time, when your basically your whole rationale was to get Locke to be better or maybe beat Locke out? So I don't, I didn't make it didn't it didn't add up for me. The Broncos in general haven't added up over the years, and like I said, it hasn't worked in sync, and it hasn't it didn't work here to make me do it. So I I got away from it. I gave linebacker Micah Parsons. We'll see. Might they might come back and say okay. We'll draft Fields or Lance, probably Fields, because Lance will be gone. I think, and and I'll ask you guys, Field and, and Todd, if you had a guess, your best guess right now of which team ends up with Justin Fields, who would it be? I would say Denver. I and and I'll turn the question right back around on you. If you're if you're the general manager, right, you're in charge of the Denver Broncos, and you're sitting at nine, and you don't even have to move up, and all of a sudden Justin Fields is staring you in the eyes. Do you think that you're going to take Fields at that spot or Micah Parsons, the Penn State linebacker, which you gave to him in this mock draft, or any other player? I, what would you do here, Kyker? Because I personally yeah, Drew I would Locke, rather take a I shot always on say the quarterback. No, nobody, nobody knows their young quarterback like that organization that drafted them, and yeah. they know Drew Locke. Now, this is a new GM. So with that said, how did he feel about Drew Locke coming out of Missouri? Right. Where? How does he feel? Remember, a lot of people had Justin Fields down the line. They weren't sold on Justin Fields. Is Denver, like me, Todd, thinking he's the second best quarterback in the draft or at worst the third? So do they love Justin Fields enough to say, I want this guy? Or do they have all the, the, the questions that some other people had that are going to say, no, we, we're going to move forward with Drew Locke. So I don't know what Denver's thinking. If you're asking me personally, if I were the GM of the Denver Broncos, it's pretty easy. It would take me about a couple seconds to write down Justin Fields' name, and I'd move forward yep. with him. If Drew Locke is always, it, it elevates his game and is better, it's a win-win. I got Justin Fields. Fine, I can trade him. If Drew Locke becomes a great quarterback, I trade Justin Fields. If Drew Locke is just average, I'm developing Justin Fields. And as I always say, if you miss on Fields – you know, Locke wasn't their guy anyway. So I felt like they're 0 for 2. So, but the decision's got to be made on Drew Locke first. Number one, how do you feel about him? And number two, how do you feel about Justin Fields? And going back to number three real quickly. Sorry, I'm jumping in on you. No, no, no. But if you, I mean, based on your board, I, we know that Trevor Lawrence is going to go one. We're highly confident that Zach Wilson from BYU is going two to the Jets. At three, Mel, you, I'm assuming you would take. Justin Fields over Mac Jones and over Trey Lance, right? I would take Justin Fields over Zach Wilson. Gotcha. So for me, and I said this all along, my second highest rated quarterback in this draft is Sam Darnold. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> yeah. my third highest rated quarterback is Justin Fields. So I like Darnold more than the Jets did. I, and I like Josh Allen coming out more than Darnold. So, yeah, it's just, I can't, I, I, I haven't been able to figure out what the league's doing in terms of quarterbacks. And why they do it. I get resetting the clock, but I thought we were trying to find the best quarter. I'm just hoping Sam Darnold and Carolina, they get him a Penny Sewell, a left tackle if he's there. They get him a Devontae Smith or a Jalen Waddle to help out the receiving court. Totally invest 
a thousand percent in Sam Darnold. And I think Matt Rule is going to do that. And let's see if a 23 year old quarterback who everybody raved about not that long ago, didn't get any support at all with the Jets and had injuries in mono is going to be the guy. And I think I'm, I'm thrilled for Sam, Sam Darnold. I, and I, I guess that once he has all the, the pieces, there's no more excuses. We'll find out what the real Sam Darnold is. Yeah. And that's, that's what I've wanted to see the whole time. Cause I, I love, you know how much I, I thought he was the best player in that draft class coming up. And I know yeah. you like Josh Allen more than him, but I absolutely loved him. And I think he can still be a star in this league. And now you finally put him in. Yes, they need offensive line help, but you got two good receivers. You've got Christian McCaffrey. And they, like we've talked about before on this podcast, they lost eight games by one score. They need a guy who can go make that play in the fourth quarter and, and you know, tilt it a little bit. Even if you win four or five of those games that you lost, now you're talking about being in the, in the playoff mix. So I, this is a great spot for Sam Darnold. He needed to leave that Jets organization. They didn't support him. A new group came in in terms of the general manager and Joe Douglas two years ago, and the, the head coach uh, shift this past year. So it's, it was time for Sam to move somewhere else, and I'm hoping that he lands in a spot where he can thrive and be the player that I, I, that I thought he was going to be coming out of USC. Yeah, that was one of those trades. It just made too much sense for all involved. Uh, Sam yep. gets a fresh start and good opportunity given the players he has around him to throw the football to with a little bit more offensive line protection, as Mel just mentioned. So after that trade up, 15 to 10 for the Patriots, you have Jalen Waddell going 11th to New York Giants, Mel. The Giants obviously invested in Kenny, Gall- Kenny Galladay this offseason, but as Todd told us just a few minutes ago, this is adding the most explosive player in this year's draft. Yeah, too good to pass up for me, guys. I, and Todd, you get into that. It's, I couldn't – if I'm the Giants, and they haven't been able to keep their guys healthy around Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. And then he got hurt at the end of the year. And Barkley was hurt. The offensive line really is the key. Now, could you argue for Rashawn Slater? You could. But you could also say Jalen Waddell. Now, I know Jabril Peppers did a really good job returning punts, but Waddle's a supremely gifted punt returner. A great explosive receiver to give him and put him in there with what they already have. And they added Kenny Galladay. And now you get Saquon healthy. All of a sudden, Engram starts catching the ball on a more consistent basis. Then you have all these weapons. And it's really Daniel Jones's year. Like we talked about Sam Darnold. Get the guys around him. Then we can evaluate Sam. Get all these pieces around Daniel. He's in year three. Now we'll see what Daniel Jones is made of, just like we did with Josh Allen last year. Once he got Stephon Diggs, everything came together. That's what has to happen. And if that happens with the Giants, and I get, they get Jalen Waddle in the second round, get a pass rusher like a Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma, could still be there. Uh, I think at that point, a Malcolm Kuntz from Buffalo is an underrated guy, can get after the quarterback. Uh, there's going to be some players like that in uh, Joseph Osai from Texas, could still be there as well. So there's going to be some pass rush opportunities for the Giants, I think, with that 42nd pick on round two. Oh, are you okay with the, I don't know, with the double dip? Because I guess they didn't use a first-round pick on a wide receiver. But the second major investment in a wide receiver this offseason by the Giants? Yeah, I can live with it. You know, and I, I go back to the beginning of the season. When, when Jalen Waddell was healthy, hmm. in the first four games, he had, what was it, uh, 13 fewer receptions than Devontae Smith, who had arguably the best wide receiver season in college football history, a single season. He had 13 fewer catches, but 74 more receiving yards. Just think about that. Yeah. 13 fewer catches, 74 more receiving yards. That's what you're getting in this guy. He's not just a you know, screen, quick game guy. He's, he's someone who can get vertical. He's developed into a really good route runner. He's competitive, just like Devontae is. 
I, I love both these receivers. They're they're different in their styles, but I, I think both of them are going to be huge successes in the league. And I ha- still have both of them behind Jamar Chase. So to get Waddle at eleven, I, I I agree with Mel here. He's he's just too talented to pass on. Even though you want maybe want to go in a, a different need direction. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. One of my favorite Jalen Waddle stats, and there are plenty to look at, and the tape tells you the story, but the stats kind of just be can serve as the icing on the cake. He averaged over 44 yards per yeah, touchdown I, catch for his career. Like, not like in a game, not for a quarter. That's ridiculous. 17 catches for touchdown. They averaged nearly 50 yards. The guy was a big play waiting to happen. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic uh, if you're looking towards the future for the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins amongst the teams with a lot of draft capital. But the team this year that, of course, has the most to look forward to is the Jacksonville Jaguars, Mel, who we know they're picking Trevor Lawrence to start. But walk us through your four selections for Jacksonville in the first two rounds. And are we looking at the chance that they have basically four new starters coming down the pipe in these first 45 picks? I believe they do. I mean, you think, think about Trevor and then you get a Trayvon Merrick uh, the safety from TCU. Then you go back to the offensive side with Kadarius Tony. We talked about him. If he can just stay on the field for 17 games, he's going to be a real weapon for Trevor Lawrence. And then you get a guy like Hunter Long, who I think is the second best tight end, Todd. I mean, the guy's 6'5", 255, ran 4'6", 3", catches the ball, blocks, has a great attitude. Jeff Hathaway had said, hey, I wish I had him back for another year. He's the best all-around tight end in this draft, really, when you say a true traditional tight end that's hunter long from boston college they get him at 45 and then remember where jeff halfley coach ohio state urban meyer there's a little connection there uh with with hunter long i'm sure that that uh evaluation carries weight with urban meyer mm-hmm. uh, and then now you have a tight end you have the receiving entity and tony do it all jet sweeps you can run him that way and you got the defense help with with uh, uh merrick and you got the franchise quarterback so i think the first four picks you're helping your young quarterback, and you're also getting a little help on the back end of the defense. Yeah, when, when Urban Meyer was was taking a year off and working with us at ESPN, I would fly down to Orlando every single week for 16 straight weeks. We'd then drive over to Jacksonville and, and stay at his house, and we would do game day hits and sports center hits. And, and but in the in the middle, you know, when we had free time, he would he would put on tapes and just talk to me about kind of his philosophy, and everything was about speed and twitchiness and 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 getting the game in space. And that's basically what the college game was. And it's what the NFL game has kind of developed into. And so like, 
you think about back in, in uh, Florida, all the great defensive backs that he had and guys that they could move around and play free safety, nickel, corner. Married to me from TCU is the best safety in this class and is arguably, I, I would put him up there in the top two or three best defensive players in this entire class. So to get him later in the first round and then to get another, you know, he's not Percy Harvin, but to get Kadarius Toney and to be that type of player that, that Urban had so much success with at Florida, you know, as you mentioned, the, the sweeps, the, um, the reverses, the quick game, the screens, all those things, I just think it fits exactly the, the philosophy of what Urban wants to be, speed, athleticism, and versatility. A lot of people thought that the Jaguars could be a suitor for Curtis Samuel in free agency. He obviously has been more of a running back in his career than Kadarius Tony, but guys who have similar agility, shiftiness, ability to make you yep. miss, Tony could certainly fill an instant impact role in Jacksonville. And uh, I mentioned, that, or actually Mel mentioned that you got some interesting round two picks. And I don't disagree with this being where I expect him to go. I don't think Todd necessarily disagrees with this, but I'll get his thoughts. Davis Mills, though, is one of the more intriguing players in this year's draft, Mel. Uh, only had, what, 11 starts at Stanford? Not a lot of time starting at Stanford, but once a – I mean, this is like top of the top in terms of recruits coming out of high school, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and a player who checks a lot of the physical boxes. He goes 51, uh, second-round pick to the Washington football team. How soon Is Davis Mills the kind of player that – if Ryan Fitzpatrick is struggling halfway through the year, he could take over, or is this a legitimate developmental option now? Yeah, he's got a lot of talent, a lot of ability, and, and he had it coming out of high school. We kept watching him and seeing, okay, where is Davis Mills now? Well, he wasn't doing a lot, you know, with the injury and then coming around, and David Shaw had been aware, and I saw David at the draft a couple of years ago. We were leaving the draft. I don't know what day it was. And I said the day we were just talking, I said, by the way, what do you think of Davis Mills? And he looked at me and said, He's going to be good. He's going to be good. Yeah, he told me he was going to be the, not, was that not the next Andrew Luck, but the best right. since Andrew Luck. He was going wow. to be their next guy. Yeah. Right. But, a, but he didn't have many starts, and he only had five this year. He missed the one with COVID protocol. Uh, you know, he had some games where when you watch the boy, he could distribute the ball. He was seeing the field. He was accurate. And he kept growing on you. And then you kept saying, okay, because you kind of get in with those preconceived ideas. It's going to be Kyle Trask. Going to be Kellen Mond, Jamie Newman. Yep. We're anxious to see him, but he doesn't play at Georgia. And then here's this guy <laughs> out at Stanford, way under the radar. that kept growing on you. And then there's Davis Mills now. Is he a possibility for Tampa Bay at the end of the first? Is he a possibility early second? I put him to Washington, middle of the second, like 51 of the second round, thinking like we just said, Field, that he could have a chance not too far from the start of the season once Ryan Fitzpatrick moves on or, or struggles a bit to turn the page and see if Davis Mills can be the quarterback of the, of the future for the, the Washington football team. There's other teams that could be looking at quarterbacks like Kellen Mond, Texas A&M, or Kyle Trask, Florida. But what I found was, Todd, you can see if your people are telling you the same thing, Kyle Trask, I found some people thinking, yeah, doesn't have the great arm, 15 interceptions last two yeah, years. Physically. He's more of a fourth-round guy. I heard Kellen Mond, you know, he's Jimbo Fisher. He's more of a third. So I didn't get consensus built, but I do think Mond right now may be a little ahead of Trask. I think Mills is ahead of both of them in terms of mock Trask and where they're going to come off the board. I've heard two second to fifth round of all three of those quarterbacks. You know, I talked to a general manager the other day and I said, you know, Davis Mills, I've talked to some other guys. 
they're they're thinking maybe second, early third. And he's like, oh, that's way too high. You know, we're just we're not we're not there. And so, like, it just depends on who you're talking to. But what's interesting here, bigger picture, like think about all right, Denver at nine. We talked about if they don't take a quarterback at that nine spot or move up and get a quarterback in the first round, then they could be in the market. You've got New England. We don't know what they're going to wind up doing. In your mock draft, you have them moving from 15 to 10 to go get Justin Fields. But if they don't go quarterback in the first round, which Bill Belichick hasn't done in his tenure in New England, they could be in the market in the second round. Mm-hmm. You've got Chicago, who, who at 20 is very unlikely to get a, a first-round quarterback. Um, Pittsburgh's another team looking to the future. I mean, there are several teams. Seattle, what's going to happen there? I mean, there's a lot of different teams that could be looking, whether it's you know, to be a, a starter a year or two down the road or maybe three, four years down the road, whatever the situation is, there are several teams that need quarterbacks that are going to be looking for them in the second round. And I don't necessarily – listen, honestly, if I'm just being totally blunt, I'm worried about Davis Mills with his durability. I love his talent. If you told me and promised me he'd be healthy for 10 years, I would take him ahead of, of the other two guys, Kellen Mond, and, and Kyle Trask. I think Trask is the least talented of the group, but I love his toughness and his pocket presence and his accuracy. And Mond is the intriguing one because he got more consistent. But if you studied him throughout his career, it was kind of up and down, up and down, up and down. And then he finished pretty strong, had a great senior bowl week, and he's got all this momentum. He's big, he's athletic, he's got the big arm, but his accuracy is not where I want it to be. So in my mind, all three of these guys are kind of late second, third round range quarterbacks. But because of the, the market for the quarterbacks, I, I think that one, two, if not all three, could wind up going in round What two. you're trying to do, guys, is catch lightning in a bottle, whether it be yeah. Jamie Newman at Wake Forest and didn't play at Georgia. These guys are just trying to find a guy. You, you, you have, you've got to have concerns, but you like the certain things that may, maybe in the fourth round, if you can find that guy. I'd go back to Dak Prescott went in the fourth round, Cousins in the fourth round. That's why I think people are thinking it's rich for these guys in the second because they're really more fourth-round guys. So yep. I think if you get them at the right point, and as I say, catch lightning in a bottle, uh, maybe you can find a quarterback that could be a lot better than advertising. I've found, and this maybe is anecdotal or recency bias, that one of the hardest positions to project in terms of mock drafts and where they go is the guys who are a tier below the lock-in first-round quarterbacks, right? So all the players are talking about yep. because – if a team is just preparing to take one of them in the second round, well, they might just start to get motivated to move up into the back end of the first round or maybe even further up in the second round board. Meanwhile, if a team fills its quarterback need in the first round, these guys could slip to the third, fourth, fifth round. There always seems to be these players who have a much wider range of where they land because of the quarterback you know, position. To that point, Field, and I, I know not everyone's watching on video, but I, I keep this on my, one of my draft notebooks that I bring every single year to the, to the draft. And it's a five-year tally, I call it. Of over, and Bill Belichick was the one. I, talked, I had dinner with Bill Belichick the first year that I was in this business. I was able Scott Pioli, Bill Belichick, Gary Horton, who worked with him, who, who kind of brought me into ESPN. And it was one of the first times I sat down with the head coach and he said, one of the things I, I just was peppering him with questions, obviously. One of the, the questions I asked was, you know, how consistent is it in terms of where players come off the board? I was just trying to learn. And he said, you'd be shocked if you do five years, a five-year tally on these guys, how consistent it is. And over the, 
over the last five years at quarterback, the first round quarterback average in terms of players coming off the board is four, which is pretty, you know, it's consistent with what we, we're going to have five this year, we think. Second round is 0. 0.7. Wow. Third round is 0. 0.7. Fourth round is two. So, and I've found every single year, these guys that we think, you know, because everyone wants a quarterback, they're going to wind up getting bumped up. Usually you're, you're seeing less than one quarterback drafted in the second and third round each every year. And then they start to come off the board a little heavier in that fourth, fifth round range. That's why there was method to my madness. <laughs> Where's that? Hey, seriously, seriously, I'll give you a couple. Remember Jarrett Stidham? Where Jarrett Stidham go when he came out? We we're all talking. Fourth round, right? Then, remember Joshua Dobbs when he came out of ten? These quarterbacks that you all think could be twos, they ended up in their fourth. And remember Connor yep. Cook? Well, they took Connor, they did, they Connor yeah. Cook, and then they settled for Dak. Remember Dallas wanted Connor Cook, settled for Dak Prescott in the fourth round. Kirk Cousins went in the fourth when RG three went too. It is that with exactly that. if you don't think they're first, and you don't like, and you kind of get away from them for a while. Get, get wait till a fourth, fifth round, and then take or sixth round and take a Jamie Newman or or take a because it's a gamble anyway, right? I mean, it's than, a gamble yeah, taking them in the second round when you really don't believe that they right. can be necessarily a guaranteed successful starting quarterback. And you're passing up on a starter at another position is the whole yeah, point. When team, right? You really know that this guy's probably going to be a good backup, maybe an adequate starter, but he's not an organizational changer. So let's go get that linebacker who slipped a little bit because of character issues. Or, or injuries or whatever it is. Let's go get that guy that we think can be a starter right away and, and not worry about the quarterback that we know is probably not going to be the answer to our long-term problems. Well, along those lines, someone like Davis Mills will be amongst the most notable players to watch, likely on day two at the earliest. But as we know, come April 29th, 30th, and May 1st, anything can happen. And we're getting really, really close. So we'll be back again same time, same place next week. As we mentioned, Mel's mock is out. Plus, Todd's satellite players piece, all satellite team, is out. Also, as I mentioned, his player profiles, there are 390 of them. If you want to learn anything about any of the players that matter in this year's draft, that is your go-to. Mel, Todd, we'll talk to you guys next week, my friends. Enjoy. Thanks, Take care, man. 